A fabringen, in Yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avton, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and it is a privilege and an honor to be here with you. Just hearing double for a second. So, um, here we are, a few days before Shabbos, and it is a, is a great gift and great opportunity to be here and talk to you on this day. What is Shavuot, the day that we receive the Torah? And if you've been listening to Chai FM in the last few days, I'm sure you heard many comments and thoughts about the giving of the Torah and the receiving of the Torah. Today I want to focus on something a bit different, and that is the lead-up. Today is the first of three days that are called Shleishas Yemei Agbala, three days that the Jews were told before they arrived, at, before the Torah was given at Sinai, they were given three days to stay away, to set boundaries. Today is the third of Sivan, tomorrow the fourth and the fifth. Those were three days called Shleishas Yemei Agbala. Today is also my son's 10th birthday. I want to wish him happy birthday and dedicate the show to him, Aaron. So, boundaries. It's not a word that we talk about often. I remember as a youngster, before I claim to even have a bit of an inkling on relationships, not that I'm any professor on relationships. I guess anybody who claims they're a professional rela- professor on relationships, chances it came out of failed relationships. But uh, whatever, you know, you, you live and you learn something about relationships. But before that, when I was younger, I didn't understand the concept of boundaries. What do I mean? I mean, like, if you really love somebody, if you really enjoy somebody's company, then just be with them all day. And spend all your time possible with them because we love each other. And yet no relationship in this world can survive and thrive when there's no boundaries. And that's what I want to explore today, this idea of boundaries. Because in the world that we live in today, boundaries are not cool. You're sharing your life on Facebook, especially now that we have more time to be on Facebook and Instagram than we've ever had before. And we're sharing our life and we're telling the world about ourselves and who we are and what we've done and what we're about to do. We're fully out there. We're living in the public eye. Boundaries. Couples dating. Move in. Married, not married. No boundaries often. Siblings often no boundaries, which unfortunately leads quite um, too often to uh, big fights later on. It's actually sad how, how often you see this sibling rivalry in community and it's almost every time it's people who tell you that they they could swear how close they were to their sibling years ago and now they aren't and in my own family in my extended family i've seen it over and over and over again relationships without boundaries with one flicker can turn into animosity hatred because everything needs boundaries Life needs boundaries. I'll say even more, not only relationships with others, but the relationship with yourself. I'll give you an example. If, if, if you're spending the whole day hugging yourself and the, or the whole day singing your own praises or self-criticizing, but if you spend the whole day in your own head, let me ask you, is that healthy? 
The first and foremost, you're supposed to have a relationship with yourself. It's the single most important relationship you'll ever develop. But even that needs boundaries. Time. You know, you're in the middle of a meeting or you're middle of spending time with somebody else. Is now, the, now is not the time to think about yourself. That's called selfish. It took the wisest of all men, King Solomon, to say, There's a time and space for everyone and everything. There's a time and space. And I think in, in the corona era when, unfortunately, we, there's not a lot of spaces, at least physical spaces, we're, do, we're doing so many stuff within the same space. I could just say my house, thank God, has become a place of a school, a shul, in obviously not with Minyanim, but like all, trying to run all the functions of the shul within that space, shiurim, family, both the husband, myself and my wife, my children were there all day. And it's not a unique situation. That's what the world is going through. So in these times, it's more important than ever to actually talk about boundaries because boundaries are really difficult. They're not an easy thing. They're counterintuitive. Children have to be taught boundaries. Think about a young child who screams to everything, it's mine, it's mine, pushes their kid, uh, their sibling, grabs a toy, doesn't respect space. Boundaries is something that needs to be taught. But unfortunately, it's an unpleasant teaching. It's not something that's pleasant to talk about. It's much nicer to just talk about love and connection and relationships and all that kind of stuff. But I would say the Achilles heel often in relationships is the lack of boundaries. And as a rabbi who unfortunately gets exposed to lots of family dynamics, it seems to me quite a pattern, not necessarily in the local community, but internationally. And, and, and the people I've gotten to meet, and I've spoken to many others, and they see it as well, this like pattern of unhealthy boundaries where parents will not create boundaries between themselves and their kids, between the kids. Now, obviously, when you focus too much on boundaries and not on love, that's extremely dangerous. The fundamental has to be love. There's no question about it. I'm not negating that the heart of the house cannot be discipline and boundaries. The heart of a house has to be love. But at the same time, the Torah was given. It was a big expression of love. It says Hashem overwhelmed the Jewish people with love. The great author of Tanya says that the, that the Medrash, there's a famous Medrash that talks about that God put a mountain over the Jewish people's head just before Sinai and kind of told them they better take the Torah. And the Balatanya claims it was a mountain of love. He literally overwhelmed them. He, he gave them so much love that they had nothing other than to scream and say, we will do and we will hear. That's the, the power of that moment. So it was extreme, extreme, extreme love. And each and every one of us has that opportunity to receive the Torah. But before the Torah is given, there's something that has to happen, and that's boundaries. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM, Rabbi Levi Afton. It's a privilege, once again, to be here with you just a few days before the Chag of Shavuot, one of the three mega Chagim of the year, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, biblical holidays. And we were talking about earlier that for the three days before the Torah was given, the Jewish people had an interesting command, and that command was to set boundaries, to not um, be with their spouse, to not go up on the mountain, to get into the right headspace. And interesting, I was learning a insight from Lubavitcher Rebbe earlier this week, and he gave a very interesting um, example, analogy, how to see in relationships the difference between boundaries and love. In other words, the, as we said earlier, the most important thing in relationships is the love not the boundaries, but boundaries are indispensable as well. So he gave the analogy of cleaning up a mansion and then setting up the mansion with all the furniture. 
The mansion is life. Our life is a mansion. It's beautiful. You cannot set up the furniture. In other words, you cannot create a beautiful space if it's filthy. Now, filth is not something that most of us like dealing with, but you can't deal without it. Okay. You, like if nobody's cleaning your house, it's locked down, et cetera. You don't have help, whatever the issue is, or you don't, you never have help and you do it yourself. Usually, you know that you could have a magnificent house with the most beautiful furniture, but if it's dirty, it doesn't work. And Remy uses that example to say how in life, in our relationship with God, as of our relationship with each other and with ourselves, boundaries or what we call, you know, the mitzvahs of what not to do, the things that we don't do, although they're not as beautiful, you know, it's very hard to walk around and sit there screaming at people, don't say Lush and Hara or um, don't eat pork or whatever, you know, whatever the negative commandments are. It's much more fun and much more meaningful and resonant to talk about the positive, to talk about the beauty of Shabbat, not what we don't do on Shabbat, but what we do do on Shabbat, on kosher, to talk about what we do eat rather than what we don't eat, etc., etc. Focusing on negative doesn't feel a good, it doesn't feel good. And yes, as, as someone, as myself, as a rabbi, is trying to market Judaism, I don't get up and scream at people what not to do. At the same time, anything in life has an, a healthy balance between holding back the negative, in other words, setting boundaries, and focusing on the positive. So let's go back to relationships between people, interpersonal relationships. One of the big mitzvahs of Torah, which is obviously something that, you know, is a bit awkward to talk about, is the laws of family purity. And that is that a couple, even when they're married, there's a time that they're together and there's a time that they're distant based on the woman's cycle. There's a concept of mikvah. There's the concept of discipline and distance. Again, it's not one of those mitzvahs that are as famous as Shabbos and kosher, but interesting, they are, it's considered one of the three most fundamental mitzvahs of Judaism, and that is Shabbos, kosher, and family purity. And the reason it wasn't spoke about is obviously because it's the kind of thing that people felt very awkward, and because it's the kind of thing that was always done privately. What happens in the, in the, in the bedroom stays in the bedroom, and therefore the children never saw the, their parents living a life of purity in that way. They weren't exposed to that. But ultimately, it's extremely important. And the, the Torah tells us, be distant at some times and be close at others. And as one of the great sages used to say, when you're distant, when you, if you're close when you're supposed to be distant, you'll be distant when you're supposed to be close. In other words, life has a rhythm and there's a time for distance and there's a time for closeness. It's not because of dislike. It's actually out of respect. And that leads to the next, you know, the next evolution of this idea. In other words, the next way of talking about the idea of boundaries. And that is boundaries is an act of respect. Love has no boundaries. Look at a young person in love and they're just starry-eyed and they're all over the place and their love takes over their life. Often it's the worst thing that can happen to someone who's chasing a degree is they find that, you know, they they find the person they think they're going to marry or they fall in love and their whole life falls apart. Why? Because love without boundaries can, is self-destructive. It's, it's, it's not a positive thing. Love is beautiful when it's confined, when it's, when it has healthy systems. Again, you don't focus on the systems day in and day out, but the systems are there to make sure that the house is clean. Otherwise, the house is dirty. I remember hearing when I was younger an analogy. They tell the story about Yankel, who was a chef for the Russian czar. Story happened, didn't happen. It's a good analogy. And he prepared one time kishka. I don't know if you know what kishka is. 
It's like one of those, you know, old Jewish foods, definitely great for your cholesterol, like pacha and uh, and herring and uh, knedlach and all the other wonderful foods they came up with the shtetl, each one of them more dis- more um, tasty but destructive to your health. And, and, yeah, one of those things, used to make it good and beautiful. Now, the real way it's made is with the intestines of animals. Today, they make it out of vegetables. It's not the same thing. But the, the real deal was made out of intestines. Anyways, one time the Russian czar is hosting the German Kaiser. And the German Kaiser tastes this food. Ah, Mechaya, he's never tasted anything so beautiful. At, and he tells the, the czar, I'd love to find a recipe for this food. So the czar calls Yankel the chef and says, tell this fellow what the recipe is. So Yankel starts giving the whole recipe that he does, putting this much pepper and this much salt and this much paprika and this much uh, potatoes and thus and yens. Anyways, he gives the recipe over to the cook of the Kaiser. And that week, the Kaiser goes back to Germany and he asks his chef, not Yankel, Somebody else, not Jewish, never made this kind of food before, to make this beautiful, delicious thing that he ate together with the cholent at the at the at the Kaiser, at the Romans, at the Russian Tsar. Anyways, the fellow makes it. He um, prepares this beautiful dish. Comes time to eat, the German Kaiser takes this new food puts it in his mouth, and pukes, throws up. It's the most disgusting thing he's ever eaten. This is kishka, this is the most miserable thing. Oh, gross. The Russian czar made a fool out of me, so he sends a nasty letter to the czar saying that you made an absolute fool out of me in this case. Anyway, the Russian czar right away calls Yankel, and says, Yankel, you, you made a total fool out of me. I mean, you know you're going to cause a diplomatic war. Yankel says, I'm telling you, I gave the recipe exactly the way it should be. No, you didn't. And it was Yankel's thinking. He says, one second. Did the German cook take out the dirt out of the intestines? Did they take out all the nasty stuff in the intestines before he cooked? He says, he sends back a letter to the German. No, they didn't. He says, of course, you can't make kishka until you clean it out of all the mess. What's the point? It's obvious you can't make a good kishka if you, if you, if you have all the junk that was in the animal's, uh, you know, belly and intestines. You can't do that that way. So too in life, you don't talk about, you don't, we don't focus on the, the things that we don't do. But ultimately, Judaism thrives by the healthy balance of the positive, of what we do do and what we don't do. And boundaries are not there to make life miserable, but rather to give a healthy system within a framework within which our life could thrive. So when God comes and says that your marriage needs boundaries, it's not because God is mixing in. God knows the dynamic. He created the dynamic. He created relationships. And he's coming and saying that no marriage can survive when it's full of sparks every single day of the year. It doesn't work that way. And no relationship with siblings can survive if there's no boundaries. And no relationship with anybody, your best friend, we need boundaries. You all know that Nutnik who doesn't get social cues and walks in and just 
pushes those boundaries. It's the most annoying thing possible. Now, the nutnik is always well-intentioned. He or she has nothing against you. They're not trying to destroy your life. On the other hand, they are there and getting in your way. The famous story that, you know, they left the famous question. They asked, what's the difference between a shlomazel, a shlomil, and a nudnik? And they say the shlomil pours the soup on the shlomazel, and the nudnik wants to know what kind of soup it is. So it is middle of chaos. The soup is spilled. The shlomazel is crying to heavens. And the nudnik wants to know if it was chicken soup or tomato soup. You understand? That's the only thing they care about. Boundaries. Hey, hello, hello. Now's not the time. Once the, the, the soup burn goes away and you want to go check what soup it is, fine. Fill your curiosity, but boundaries, respect boundaries. And that's something that often we, you know, we just don't focus on. The respect of somebody else's boundaries, the respect of saying things at the time that they can hear it. Even if you love a person, there's a time and space to say something. And there's a time and space not to say it. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Rabbi Levi Aftson, and here we are. We're talking a few days before Shavuot, and the topic today really has been respect of boundaries, the importance of boundaries. Again, it's something that people rarely like talking about, but it's fundamental to life. You cannot survive without boundaries. It's just the way the world works. And it's something that, you know, for, for people who have natural EQ, it might be easier to figure out. For people who don't have it, it might be more complicated. But ultimately, Judaism, life, everything in our lives is based on this concept of passion at the same time, boundaries. When we come and receive the Torah, God says three days, step away, and only then can you come in. And as I said earlier, the, the coronavirus has created a very complicated space when it comes to boundaries. Unfortunately, you hear statistics, domestic violence is on the rise. General violence is, thank God, down, but domestic violence worldwide is on the rise. Why? Because couples who maybe had a understanding of a dynamic till now, suddenly they're all over each, they're all over each other. And unfortunately, there's abuse happening. And I'm not justifying abuse. There is no justification to abuse, but there's no question that the numbers have gone high, higher after people are spending a lot of time together because that's getting on people's nerves. That's when it happens, unfortunately. And therefore, it's so important in times like this to still respect boundaries, to, to create spaces for ourselves, whether it's davening, learning. You know, we, addiction to phones has always been a topic on everybody's mind. It's been spoken about a lot. But now time, I mean, phones, we're living on our phones. We're living on our computers. Last night I had an issue with my computer, my laptop stopped signing in. It was an absolute devastating, like so much of what I'm running on my life right now was on a laptop. My life was frozen. Um, Obviously not all of my life, but a big part of my life was frozen. And boundaries with technology is more important than ever. People are waking up with their phones, sleeping with their phones. You're running your business out of your computer, your house now. For people who had some sort of boundaries till now, they worked at work and they, and they, they played at house. Now it's one big challenge. And within these challenge, unfortunately, we, the human being struggles with boundaries, especially our time. I believe that like in previous times when people grew up in dictatorships, people grew up in rule based societies, boundaries was much more natural and you would say love and passion was much more unnatural go to uh, you know go to russia till today my family comes from russia you're not going to see a lot of passion in the street because they're growing up in a very autocratic society in general when you go to autocratic societies that's the way people are they're very much rule-based and there's very little passion we grew up in democracies 
And yes, democracies are complicated and often um, messy. That's what democracy is versus, auto, you know, autocratic governments, at least at the surface, seem to be functional. Fair enough. On the other hand, we have to accept that although we grew up in democracies, which is messy, and we're not familiar necessarily with discipline, it's not something that our generation is comfortable with. Think about the average child growing up today versus the average child growing up 40 years ago. 40 years ago, the average child grew up with discipline. That was the first and foremost fundamental. Then in the 80s, we went and it made a total, um, you know, 180 turn, and we went to the extreme opposite and now for the next 30 years, it was all about self-esteem and love and affection, obviously important. You know, that's what the world does. The world always goes in a pendulum from one extreme to the other. But at some stage, we fall back to the middle. We fall in balance. Love without discipline is almost as dangerous as discipline without love. Obviously, if you have to choose one over the other, love is more important. Discipline without love will destroy somebody. Love without discipline it will just create dysfunction, but at least, you know, they'll be able to live. But ultimately... Discipline is important. Boundaries are important. And something that in our time, especially with our children home all day, our grandchildren, you know, being locked up, it's something to talk about. The ability to, to self-regulate. You know, we have words today that describe, you know, I'm falling apart. I'm uh, emotionally overwhelmed. People are overwhelmed. It's a word that people use a lot. But the ability to self-regulate is a fundamental Skill. Think about it. In the world where people grew up very disciplined, what was the divorce rate? And in the world where people grew up all about love and self-esteem, what's the divorce rate? Now, the easy answer is to say that once a time people were unhappy and they got divorced and they didn't, but they didn't get divorced because it was stigma. Fear enough. But you can't say that about 50% of society. I, I think that's very unfair and not true. I think Yes, maybe not all marriages were happy, but most people, even if they were given the real choice and the stigma was taken out of divorce, most people who were married then would still stay married. Why? Because they grew up with a value system that says, okay, life is tough and we deal with it. Discipline, boundaries. Okay, fine. You know, like life isn't fun and games all day. But in our generation, we grow up and life is taught that it's, it's a, it's a exercise in pleasure. That's what life is. It's about pleasure. So when you're, Relationships. That's what we do with relationships. Um, it's all about pleasure and fun and feel good. You know, they, they, they often use the expression instant gratification, but instant gratification doesn't really say anything. What's the definition of instant gratification? The definition of instant gratification is I want pleasure. The old generation also wanted pleasure, but they realized that a, a lot of hard work gets a little pleasure at the end. The way we see it in our time is a tiny amount of work gets an incredible amount of pleasure. So you're, you just started your work and you're already expecting to be a millionaire because if you're not a millionaire, it's like, what do you mean? Why, why, why did the, what's it called? The, the guy from Facebook and the guy from Apple, why did they make money when they're young and me not? And it's a cultural, we, we, we live in a culture that worships pleasure. Again, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. There's not like, you know, the rabbi coming and saying, self-regulate, beat yourself up, walk around fast every day for half the day. That's not the point. There's nothing wrong with pleasure in life, but it's not the be-all and end-all life. It's, it's, it's a nice comfort, but it's not the goal. The goal is to, to accomplish. The goal is to make an impact. The goal is to, to be loved and to love. That's the goals in life. 
And yes, in those times, there was in the previous generations, there was too much focus on discipline. No one's negating that. But ultimately, in the long run, I'm not sure if they were any less happy than our time. I think they were actually more happy because they sustained the relationships. Our generation maybe has more pleasure, but nothing sustains, nothing holds, nothing sticks. When nothing sticks and you look back at the end of your life and you haven't managed to build solid relationships with your children, with a spouse, I don't know if, if that feels as good as maybe the other person who didn't necessarily have as much pleasure in their life years ago, but now can look back in their life and actually feel proud and feel that the hard work was worth it. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 Chai FM. So here we are, 72 hours before a beautiful Chag of Shavuot again. It's going to be at home for most of us, if not all of us. It's going to be very different for those of us who cherish to be, you know, the ability to come and hear the Ten Commandments. We're not going to be reading the Ten Commandments ourselves at home. For those of us who cherish ice cream parties, we'll be eating ice cream at home. And for those of us who are used to a big lavish shul bracha with lots of dairy foods, it's going to be at home. At the same time, Let's remember that when God came and gave the Jewish people the Torah, he said, Anochi Hashem Alekecha, I am your God. And he said in individual form. In English, when you say, I'm your friend, your could be 10 people or one person. You could be talking to 10 people and saying, I'm your friend or one person, I'm your friend. But in Hebrew, it doesn't work that way. Anochi Hashem Alekecha, I am God, your God is a singular word. You as in only you. Torah was given to 2 million people around the mountain, but ultimately each and every one of us received it as individuals. It was our Torah. It's your Torah. It's my Torah. And this year we're going to receive it in a very private way. And remember that God talks to us as individuals, not only as a nation, that each and every one of us is part of an incredible whole, but we're also incredible individuals. And yes, this is not the Chag we prayed for, but this is the Chag that Hashem decided we can get. And we're going to celebrate it with passion and excitement for what it is. And that is the opportunity for you and I to have a unique and beautiful relationship with Hashem. To realize that God is talking to me. That when God gave the Torah, He had me in mind. And God's giving the Torah again this year with me in mind and you in mind. And God is not, God is big enough to think about the collective and the individual. You know, often people say, how could a great God think about me? He has better things to think about. Well, a great God has the ability to think about you as an individual because someone who isn't great can only think about either individuals or the collective. True greatness is the ability to never lose the individual in the big picture. If God is truly great, then obviously he cares about you. If God is too big to care about you, then he's not big at all. And we believe that God is great. That's a fundamental idea of our faith. So this is a Chag about you and Hashem, about me and Hashem. Anoichi Hashem Lekecha, where God comes and says, I am your God. And I come to God and say, and I'm in it for you. And together we commit ourselves for another year of Torah, another year of growth, another year of passion, another year of boundaries, another year of a healthy relationship with between me and my Creator. I want to sign off by wishing you the traditional blessing that we wish people for Shavuot. May you receive the Torah with joy 
and internalize it, make it part of you. Kabbalah Satara Basimcha Bapnimius. May this Chag be celebrated in the best way possible, and may Hashem finally end this challenging time, bring us not only back to where we were, but to a new world, a beautiful world, a world of redemption, signing off to a beautiful song of redemption. This is Yerushalayim by Avram Fried. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Yafsin of Linksfield Shul. Chag Sameach to you.